All good? All good? Yep. Sorry, I'm a novice. Um, Let's pray. Father God, you are good. You are holy and righteous. You're our maker. You are the centre of all things. Would you send your spirit, Lord, into our hearts to receive your word this morning, to give us a spirit of humility to receive your word, to marvel at who you are and and to be changed by it. Help us to be different after this. Work in our hearts, we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> so uh, this this week I've um, been preparing the message, obviously, and uh, I was walking around my office with a number of A4 sheets of paper, right? You know, kind of like, you know, stacked like this or something. And I uh, walk around my office and I see this spider on the windowsill. And so I walk up to it with, with the sheets of A4 paper and, and I was kind of like, you know, sort of poke at it a bit. Didn't touch it, just eased up to it. And it started to shake. Like, I'm not even kidding, the spider's like, it started to shake. But, and because it's inside the house, I, I smashed it with the paper. But that's not the point. I knew you'd say something, Brie. <laughs> now, now, printed on the paper were, were multiple translations of this morning's text. Romans 1, 18 to 32. It's just like that spider, as this text was put in front of me this week, the closer I looked at it, the closer it got to me and to my heart, I began to shake. This text of Romans 1 has crushed me this week. It's been a, a mirror to my soul and to my heart. And the reflection is ugly. The reflection of my natural condition as a man is so dark and miserable and utterly hopeless that I was crushed under the weight of it just like that spider. And I hope you will be too as you meditate on it. As you meditate on this week and in months to come and in years to come. Because this, this text is such a gift to us. It's so gracious of God to give us these words because without them, you and I would die an eternal death from spiritual cancer. It's that serious. Because if you don't know you're sick, you won't go to the doctor. Unless you find the problem, how can you deal with it? Unless you see the reflection of your soul in the mirror of Scripture, you'll just keep on thinking, 
I'm a pretty good person, there's others way worse than me, I'll be right in the end. But you're not and you won't be, and neither will I, unless we consider ourselves against God's standard and not our own. We need to consider God's truths and not the things that we believe. Romans 1.18-32 shows us why God's wrath is being revealed and it shows us how God's wrath is being revealed. It shows us why God has the right to judge people and, and how that judgment is coming about. And the truth is, there's no one in this room today that can escape judgment by themselves. None of us. No one can read this word from Romans 1 and get out alive. This, this passage is the quicksand of Romans. It's the quicksand for the church in Rome that Paul was writing to, and it's the quicksand for us as well. And the more we try and squirm our way out, the deeper and deeper we sink into the judgment of God. So it should be pretty good, right? Eh? You glad you came? Let's read verse 18 together. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. There's a couple of things we need to get clear right from the start here. What is the wrath of God anyway? What is the wrath of God? Basically, the wrath of God is God's anger. It's his anger against all people and our godless attitudes. It's also focused on our unrighteousness. You can think of unrighteousness as being unright or being in the wrong. So God's wrath is his anger that's against us all because of our godless attitudes and unrighteous living. That's the wrath of God. But his anger isn't like yours or mine. God's anger is completely justified and good all the time. It's not like God is looking down on all these little critters that he made, you know, and they're not doing what he wants, so he has a big tantrum. God doesn't just chuck a big man tanty like I do when my kids aren't doing what I've told them to. God's anger is, is responsive, it's reasonable, it's intentional, it's focused, it's fierce. It's honed in on sin and the ungodly and the unrighteous. It's focused on you and me. And it's being revealed from heaven as we speak. As we speak. It's present tense. Verse 18 literally says, God's wrath is being revealed. The wrath of God is being revealed. What that means is it's not limited to Paul and the church in Rome. But, but even right now, right now, God's wrath is being revealed. And you might look around and say, are you sure about that, Steve-O? Because my life's pretty great. 
I've had a great week. I've had a pretty good year, actually. Doing all right. Everything's falling into place. I'm happy. Family's good. Don't see any lightning bolts coming from heaven. Not seeing much judgment here, pal. If God's so angry with us, where's all the wrath? And what have we done to be labelled ungodly and unrighteous anyway? Well, Paul is writing to the church in Rome to explain these things. The section from uh, chapter 118 to 320 uh, shows that everybody is under the judgment of God. He proves that no one is righteous before God. No one will stand in the final judgment of God on their own merit and be declared innocent. Because all people of all times have rejected God. Romans 3.10 says, None is righteous, no, not one. Zero. So, um, I'd been out to this party with my family, right? With my wife and four kids. And uh, driving home from there, the kids fall asleep. You know, they fall asleep in the car, as they do. Um, but have you ever seen a kid that's, that's so tired that they're not just kind of, you know, all sort of, whoops, this side, all, you know, all snuggled up and cute? Yeah, but, but instead, they're passed out in the car like this. Uh. <laughs> you ever seen that? Yeah, it's like they're staring at a meteorite that's about to, you know, land on planet Earth. Ah! They're just like, they're out of it. They're zonked. You know, they're totally exhausted, totally flaked. And it takes like half an hour to wake them up. Right, well, this was one of my girls on the way home from this party. So we pull up in the driveway and we're calling her name. We're shaking her. And eventually she wakes up. And she's like, oh, we're like, did you have a nice sleep, darling? She says, I wasn't asleep. <laughs> Darl, you just had like a solid 20 minutes. You were, you were totally flaked. You were snoring. I wasn't asleep. I wasn't sleeping. And me and Carissa are just staring at each other like, what, what is going on here? We even took a photo because it's one of those classic moments, you know. So we showed her the photo of her sleeping and she still denied it. Even with the evidence right in front of her face, she still denied the truth. And this is one of the main reasons that God is angry with us. We suppress the truth. It's right here in verse 18 to 20. Have a look with me. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse." 
Paul cuts right to the chase here. God's wrath is being revealed from heaven against us because we suppress the truth about God. What truth, Paul? The truth that God really exists. The truth that he created the universe. And that we can know this just by looking at creation. Nature and the universe itself is the photo evidence that there's a God who created all things. It's obvious. Just consider the complexities of the universe and the perfect environment that we have here to live in. Consider the sunrise, the stars and the seasons and all the creatures that fill the earth. The evidence is plain to see that there's a designer, an eternally powerful God who made all things. So why is God angry with us, Paul? Because people suppress the truth. The truth of Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And the truth of Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. And instead they look around and they go, nah, made itself. Just made itself. And don't forget that we, humans, are the pinnacle of this creation. We're made in the image of God himself, Genesis 1.27. So the truth of Psalm 139 stands firm. For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. Here's the point. A basic knowledge of God's existence His eternal power and divine nature can be clearly known through creation itself. That's the truth that's sewn and stitched into the fabric of our very soul. The truth of God's existence is inside every single one of us. Just watch it rise to the surface in times of tragedy. But in our unrighteousness, the truth about God is suppressed. We hold it down. We hold it down. So much so that people would sooner uh, make themselves believe that zero times zero equals everything rather than looking at the clear evidence of creation and saying it was made by God. rejection of this evidence is a rejection of God himself so no one has any excuse when it comes to God's judgment I know there's a few soccer fans here, well I think there is there's one does anyone know who Tim Cale is Yeah. yeah that's good He's a famous Australian soccer player, right? And about a week or two ago, the the Australian soccer team, the Socceroos, uh, played an important match against Syria. 
Now, I don't follow soccer. I knew nothing about this match. But I was struck by a news headline that I came across. It was about Tim Cale. Now, Tim scored the winning goal for Australia. You know, this, um, you know, it's a big, intense, it's an important game. The match, it's all intense. It's, it's, the scores are locked at one all. The crowd's in suspense. And in overtime, Tim Cale scores the winning goal for Australia. And thousands of fans just erupt in worship of this man. Now, this is the headline I came across. This is it. I'm still getting over it. Tim Cale, you are God. Full stop. Tim Cale, you are capital G-O-D. You are God, it said. I also found a comment about Tim that says, we need to build this man a statue. It wasn't Ian. <laughs> now, I'm not slamming the game and on all, all the skill of Tim. That's not what I'm doing. But let's just look at it this way for a moment. Tim Cale stands in a paddock with 20 other blokes. He jumps in the air. A ball hits him on the head and it goes into a net. (laughs) And thousands and thousands and thousands of people are screaming in praise and honour and glory of the man who kicked a ball, headbutted a ball into a net. Put a ball into a net. Look at verse 21 to 23 with me. For although they knew God, they did not honour him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. In Paul's day, false gods were often worshipped in pagan temples. And in our day, apparently, it's sporting arenas and other places like them. You know, Tim puts a ball into a net and literally gets worshipped as God. Meanwhile, the true God, the timekeeper... The creator of all things just gets ignored and sidelined and dishonoured, rejected, suppressed. Now, I'm not anti-sport, and I'm not saying don't cheer on your favourite sport player. Just don't make them God. So why is, why is God angry with people? Because we worship false gods. We don't honour and praise and glorify and magnify his name. Like we are created to do. We are made to do that. We settle for far less. We settle for far, far less. 
And instead we worship other people for their skills, for their opinions, for their fame, for their possessions, for their bodies. It's a glory exchange. We want to be more like them than the God who made us to be like him. If possible, just try and unsuppress the truth for a moment and answer this question honestly to yourself. What is your idol? Who or what is it that you worship other than God? What takes first place? What's the thing you can't live without or just need to have to make your life worth living? What is it? If you're not sure what your false god is, Martin Luther can help us out here. If we said, hey Marty, can you uh, help us figure out what our idols are? He'd say this. Whatever your heart clings to and relies upon, that is your god. Trust and faith of the heart alone make both God and idol. Whatever has come to mind, ask yourself if it has replaced God in your life and if it's really worth it. Is it really worth it? And does that thing, can that thing actually support you in this life, but can it support you after you die? In verses 21 to 23, we can see the link between suppression of the truth and idolatry. Verse 21 says, uh, paraphrase, they knew God, but didn't honour or thank him. Why? Because suppressing the truth leads to futile thinking, which then leads to false worship. It leads to idolatry. So the, the sin of suppression, it's, it's serious. It really is. It's a deceitful disease that's infected all of us. It causes us to think, feel, believe and act wrongly towards God and towards creation. It makes us think that we're wise. It makes us think that we have life all sorted out. But we fool ourselves. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, verse 22 says. And the foolish thing to do is exchange the glory that belongs to God and give it to anything else. Anything. That's idolatry. So in verses 18 to 23, we can see why God's wrath is being revealed from heaven. We suppress the truth. We worship the wrong things. Both things are totally dishonouring to God. In other words, by nature and from birth, we are lying idolaters. Are you glad you came yet? 
How do you like living in this part of the world? We're really blessed here, right? We've got everything we need and we can get hold of it in minutes. I am personally really thankful to God that I live here. I really am. But after soaking in this passage for a bit, I'm convinced that it's not all blessing. It's not all blessing that we're seeing. I'm convinced that there's a a complex blend of blessing and curse going on. I'm convinced that that what seems to be a fairly peaceful place to live is actually full of God's wrath. And again, you might ask, I don't see it, Stephen. Where's all the wrath? And I would say, this type of wrath is hard to see because it looks like everyday life in the world. It's not lightning bolts from heaven. It's God giving people exactly what they want, exactly what their hearts desire. This is how God's anger is being dished out. And it's right here in verse 24. Read with me. Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity to the dishonouring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who was blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonourable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. God gave them up, God gave them up, God gave them up. He gave them over, he handed them over. God gave the people exactly what their heart desires desired and this is one way that God is revealing his anger present tense, now, here but we have to ask from this passage, is God's anger only directed towards homosexuals? no because we know from a wider reading of scripture that all sexual activity All dishonourable passions outside the biblical framework of marriage, whether heterosexual or homosexual, is sinful and worthy of judgment. But I think Paul uses homosexuality as a prime example of how far out of the created order people have gone. All fornication outside God's good design for marriage is sinful and out of order. But it's most obvious in homosexuality because it's clear that God designed a man and woman to unite rather than two of the same sex. So in this section, Paul's showing how far away from God's good plan society has gotten in his day because they suppress the truth 
And I'm convinced that the same-sex marriage debate is a sign of how far away from God's good plan society has gotten in our day because we suppress the truth. It's all a sign of this giving over. It's all pointing towards this handing over to sin. God is giving people like you and me over to our hearts. Right here, right now, in this community. He's letting people follow their feelings and their hearts, but in the end, it's not good, and it all just leads to verse 29. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. This is a picture of society that has gone down the drain. Paul could see it in his day, and is it any different now? No. Can't you see that this this list of vices is a description of our hearts? Can you see these things in your own life, in your own families, in your own neighbourhoods? If you can't, just go to the city or valley on a Friday and Saturday night and you'll see them all happening at once. But aren't we moving forward as a society? No way. No way. This whole passage is a picture of the downward spiral of society. Suppression of truth leads to idolatry, leads to sexual sin, leads to all manner of unrighteousness. These things have stirred up the wrath of God. But these are the things that people desire in their hearts. That list right there, people want this stuff. Really? People love to live this way. Really? Look at verse 32. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. People love to live that way. Isn't that madness? You read that list and you go, no way. I don't want any of that. But people love it. That's what the heart desires. It's crooked. It's fallen. People deliberately disobey God. They know it brings death and judgment, but they continue nonetheless. And not only that, but they vote yes to others who practice the same things. This is the wrath of God that's being poured out. But it's hard for us to see because it looks like everyday life. 
Someone said it this way. The history of the world is the judgment of the world. Well said, I think. Here's the bottom line. All of us are guilty before God. So what are we going to do? What are you going to do on the last day when you stand before God the judge and give an account for your life? What hope will you have in that moment? Apart from trusting in Jesus Christ as your personal saviour, there is none. There is none. The only hope we have in life and death is in Jesus Christ who lived the life we couldn't live. He honoured God in every way. And he died the death we deserve to die. He took the punishment for our ungodliness and our unrighteousness in our place for our sin, the righteous for the unrighteous. A beautiful exchange. And Jesus is alive today. He rules and he reigns the universe that he made. Jesus is the creator that you've rejected. You've ran away from your maker and fallen into the quicksand of judgment. Jesus Christ is the only option for you today. He is the only one who can pull you out. There is no other. That's it. There is no other option. So pray that God will give you the eyes to see the truth of the gospel. Pray that he would send the Holy Spirit into your heart to remove the darkness and to show you that Jesus Christ is Lord. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Saved by grace from God's wrath forever. Forever. Can the communion stewards come up, please? Romans 5.8 God shows his love for us in that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Christian, you're already saved from the wrath of God. It's done. It's dusted. It's a sealed deal. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. We're probably going to hear that heaps over the next couple of months. And so we should, because that's freedom. That is freedom right there. Christian, you are totally justified in the sight of God. 
innocent. Your guilt has been fully removed. The weight of your sin has been taken away. It's gone. You don't have to bear it. Free. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? So you're not God's enemy, but you're his child. He's your father and we are sons and daughters of the living God, free from wrath, free from the power of sin and free to proclaim his goodness and grace and mercy to everyone, to the world. But our sin and freedom cost Jesus his life. God died for us. So we're going to come to the communion table now. And we're going to remember the cost of this freedom. The cost of, our, of this wrath being removed from us for good, for eternity. As the stewards come round, please take the bread, thanking God and remembering that Jesus' body was broken on our behalf. And take the cup, but please hold off and we'll drink together, remembering the blood that Jesus, uh, the blood of Jesus, that turned God's anger away from us. The blood that was spilt was in our place for our sin. It covers us, the righteous for the unrighteous.